Welcome to another episode of the Gay Archive Show, where we explore gay history one bar at a time. I'm your host, Art Smith, and sitting next to me is today's guest, Matt Kalunga, who has a long history working at and running Swingin' Richards in Atlanta and South Florida, and in the last few years has opened up his own men's bar called Johnson's. Welcome, Matt. Thank you. It's nice to be here. I mean, even though I'm in my own bar, but yeah. Yeah, it's very cool. And I see you're sporting some cool Johnson's I got, I've there. got my Johnson's tank tops. They just came out. You know, it's... Uh, very I've still, cool. still got to get the ones that have tamp on it. Those come out, you know, this week. Very cool. So, let's start in the beginning. Let's try to kind of go chronologically. Um, when I first ran into you, it was in Atlanta numerous years ago. We won't say how many. Um, and there was this kind of groundbreaking club in Atlanta called Swingin' Richards. I started at Swingin' Richards in 1997 as a dancer. I, uh, my friends went in to apply to be bartenders, and I went and got on the stage and started playing with the pole. And the guy came up to me and said, do you want to dance? And they were supposed to open next week, and they had no dancers. I was the second one they hired. Wow. So did you ever imagine in that moment when you got hired to dance at Swingin' Richards that 25 years later you would be about to open your own second male strip club and have been in the business for all that time? No, honestly, no. I told myself I was going to get in for six months, make as much money as I could possibly make, and get out. But the problem is you get in and you have cash on you every night and you've never had this kind of, I'm 20 years old. And you've got cash, and you're going to Abercrombie and Fitch, and you're buying things for three hundred dollars, and you're paying in singles. So, <laughs> I mean, you're you're hooked. So, for people who don't know, Swingin' Richards um, was a um, an all nude male dance club in Atlanta on Northside Drive, and in Atlanta, the laws are a little quirky. Uh, if you wanted to work there. You had to go and apply for a special adult entertainer license. Yes. And that license was only good in that particular building. Yes, for the job that it specified for. When I first started dancing, it was $35 for a permit. So it would sometimes take anywhere from three hours to get a permit because if a girl went and got licensed at a uh, venue and she didn't like it, it was cheap, 35 bucks, she could go to another venue. Um, as it went on, permits jumped to 150 $375. You couldn't have any felonies, and you had to have a social security number, so you had to be you know, a citizen of the U.S. Yeah, and it would only be good at that one club. So if there were four clubs in town, you'd have to pay that fee four times and be registered at four different locations. You, you would. The city of Atlanta would send uh, Vice out, and they would do a permit check, and they would come in, and they'd rush the club. And two would go into VIP lounge, two go back to the club. Everyone else would be pulling all the dancers in and one by one checking to make sure every one had a permit. Uh, one time when I was a manager, I had someone coming in there cutting hair for the dancers. And I got a $1,000 fine because that person didn't have a permit and they were getting paid to do a job inside the club. That's crazy.
So how long were you associated with, with Swingin' Richards? I was with Swingin' Richards 18 years. That is quite a while. That is a long time. And if anyone knows my boss from there, that's a triumph. <laughs> now, you have to remember that these clubs are full nude. So unlike a lot of what people now call strip clubs, these were absolutely full nude dancers on the dance floor all night long. And some of the signs that I've seen for uh, Swing and Richards said they had anywhere from 50 to 75 dancers nightly. On a, on a Friday or Saturday night, you know, um, when I took over managing, I was 23, and I, I kind of built it up a little bit more. But I'd run six dancers on the main stage, one on the back, you know, usually about 12-minute sets, and they'd rotate and everything. So, yeah, on some Friday or Saturday nights, we've had 40, close to 50 dancers. And it was um, a very popular venue, so much so that after a number of years of you being associated with them, uh, the owner apparently decided to open up a second location. Was that I, your idea or was that? That was his idea. He actually called and said, you know what? I want you to fly down to North Miami Beach. They found a female strip club. Um, I mean, the rent was 50000 a month. Uh, for him to turn into a gay strip club, he had to take care of all the bills that weren't paid from the prior, the prior uh, leaser. Lisey, yes. And um, it was costly, but I mean, the club did really, really well. 6,000 square feet, the same size as this one. But we would pack three, four hundred people in there. We'd have five hundred people come through a night. Dancers. Um, South Florida had never had a male strip club, so there were no laws written. They were only written for women, so guys could go on stage rock hard with the cock ring on. The problem with that is, if a dancer could go on stage because he's in VIP, this one I'd say, "Hey, you're on stage." Well, I can't go on stage. I'm not hard, so they're afraid they might see I'm soft, and they, they would judge themselves. That was, that was the problem we ran into in South Florida. In Atlanta, you can't be full dude. Your dick has to be pointed to the ground. You can't bend over a 90-degree angle. You're not allowed to expose your hole. Can't be touched. So it's a little more complicated up there. It's, it's not saying the touching didn't happen. Um, over the years, I kind of, you know, I felt bad, and that's why I went, I went a different direction with Johnson's, because... In Johnson's, you can't touch. You can touch the legs. You can't touch this. It's it's legal. You know, they're not supposed to touch the crotch. not supposed to touch the ass. Um, for a dancer to upsell going into a VIP room at Swinger Richards, basically meant they had to do illegal stuff. Because no customer wants to go and see the same thing they're seeing on stage. They want more. Right. So you're, every every room you're selling is touching and more and more stuff. So I, I, I didn't want that. I was a dancer. And I did things that I wish I wouldn't, you know, to make money. Because... You um, you make all this money, and nobody ever tells you that once you've been there six months, you're not new anymore. Right. You're not so fresh meat. You're not fresh meat. The new guys are making the money. So all these things you bought yourself in that car, that BMW that you didn't really need, now you got payments to make. So now you're, oh, sure, you want to suck my dick for money? Yes. So, I mean, I'm the first to say it's happened. I'm so. sure it has. <laughs> I am quite sure it has. So what's the craziest thing that ever happened at Swingin' Richards while you were there? You know what? Craziest thing that's ever happened, um, believe it or not, has to do with a female. I, I was in my DJ with one night, and I watched this girl come over to a chair right in front of the stage, dance her on stage, pull her pants down, sit on the chair. Two seconds later, overflows of piss. She was so drunk that she thought she was in the bathroom. And then I caught a girl with her leg hyped up on the ATM, masturbating in front of everybody. Uh, we've had a few girls come in there and spread an ego with yeah, their shorts on. Um, I had, you know, the best story I like to tell of all is a guy comes to me, goes, pissed off. He goes, your ATM just ate my credit card. 
And I said, sir, it's a swipe. So we went back to the ATM that was on the ground. <laughs> I'm guessing you might have been a little intoxicated. Maybe slightly. Our, dr- our drinks were 16 ounces in our pre-pours. So yeah. I, I remember. I've been there numerous times. I lived in Atlanta for over 20 years, so I'm very familiar with, uh, with Swingin' Richards. Now, your recipe there um, was different than the other dance clubs. There were a couple of other intermittent, full-nude male dance clubs, as well as not full-nude clubs that had go-go boys on a regular basis. But a lot of them specialized in the um, slightly post-pubescent dancers. Um, (laughs) Dancers who looked like maybe they were 15 years old, uh, never had a, a single pubic hair on their body and we're dancing there for money. But your dancers were a little different. What would, tell us about the kind of dancers you looked for. I, I, used, I normally went for a more muscular guy. I, you know, it's, it's what I liked, and it's what I figured at that time when I was running that club. That's what everyone would like. Everyone, you know, you look at Chippendales and you look for Thunder Down Under, they're all muscular men. But as I've gotten older, especially with my club, why go after 40% of the gay market that's only going to like muscular men and... Go after the entire market. Why not have some twinks? Why not have something in the middle? Why not have something big? Everyone's got to be in shape, but it's different sizes to attract the entire community. Absolutely. But as I've learned here recently, it doesn't attract the entire community because the bear crowd is upset with me that I won't hire bear dancers. And it's like, that's not my business model. My business model is being in shape and everything as I've done bodybuilding shows and I'm very, I try to stay fit. I'm no. a small right now, but... But, uh, you actually you go to the gym? I, I know, I'm working on it. Um, but yeah, so that's that's my business model. There are other clubs that run uh, meteor, healthier dancer, not healthy, or but uh, a meteor dancer, and, I, and that and that's good for them. But that's just not my business. Yeah, model. I don't understand sometimes why there's so many critics out there. You know, it's like if you go to an Italian restaurant, don't bitch that they don't serve hamburgers. You went there for the Italian food. Same thing with. Richards or Johnson's, don't bitch that your particular style of dancer isn't there. You went there because they have a certain flavor on the menu. That's what you should be looking for. If you don't like that, there are other options. And I'm finding more and more clubs are failing because they're trying to meet that criteria of having something for everyone. And it it, it can't happen. You're going to have a dance floor. You're going to have karaoke. You're going to have drag shows. Now you're just like the club next door because guess what? They have all the same things too. Stick to the niche you know and stay there. So you are not going to be having all nude, karaoke singing, dancing drag queens at Johnson's on, say, Wednesday night. No, definitely not. We're, not the, we're there to see Dick and that's it. Okay. Yeah, and he's right here filming this segment <laughs> for us. So thank you, Dick. So speaking of Johnson's, you just came back, like almost virtually minutes ago, from sunny Fort Lauderdale, one of our favorite places um, in Florida, Wilton Manors, where you, after stepping away from Richards, decided to embark on your own adventure, which you have called Johnson's. And Johnson's, uh, was it yesterday or Friday, celebrated their fifth anniversary in Wilton Manors.
I'm, I'm proud of my little baby. I'm proud of my staff. Um, a lot of people don't realize back in the 90s, uh, there was a T-shirt called Big Johnson's. I have a little guy with a big, you know, and lots of shirts, but it was an untrademarked company. So when I opened my own, I wanted to call it Johnson's. It still sounds kind of like a normal bar, but at the same time, it has an alternate meaning. But I could also use a lot of his T-shirts for my T-shirts and not worried about being sued. Very cool. So you picked a location on Wilton Manors. If anybody out there has not been to Wilton Manors, and I'm assuming most of our audience is gay, if you have not been to Wilton Manors, within a roughly two-mile radius of where his bar is, there are a total of over two dozen gay bars and restaurants that you could basically walk to or take a short ride or Uber right in the same neighborhood. Two, oh, two dozen. Blocks, two blocks. Yep. All over the place. It's an, so, am- it's an amazing city. It's a great city, great people. All the bar owners, you know, since COVID, we're all in um, a WhatsApp group. We talk through things. We communicate. You don't hang, you know... You're always going to have that one bar owner that wants to be the problem and everything. But for the most part, every other bar owner is great. They're very humble to each other. So I've asked a couple of um, of people who have been to your Fort Lauderdale club about you know what they thought and about you opening a new club and what their, their general feelings were about Johnson's. Um, the first person I spoke to is someone that I'm sure you're very familiar with. His name is Bruce Valanche, and he commented that, first of all, he and Leslie Jordan both had their own private booths at Richard's when you were managing there, because they loved the bar so much. They, Bruce, I would say Bruce had his own, uh, Leslie, Leslie doesn't drink, so Leslie would come in and grab his bottle of water, and, and then he would sit there, and he'd just have an amazing time, and he would always come in, and he would get on stage for 10 minutes, and, and talk a little, make people laugh, he was wonderful, um, I, I, I get, I've gotten a lot of celebrities at Swinger Richards that, you know, we can't bring up. But, um, yeah, Bruce, Bruce is an amazing Yeah, man. Bruce is definitely not shy about it. No, he's not. And um, I asked him if he had anything he wanted to ask you. And he said, well, there are a few phone numbers I can use. <laughs> so I'll let you handle that with him. Um, but, you know, in honor of his patronage and the fact that he's come to your club in Fort Lauderdale and, and come to Richards over the years for you and that he had his own booth there, I thought maybe you'd be able to name, like, the VIP area, the Bruce Valanche Luxury VIP Suite or oh, something. Oh, there we go. There we go. We'll, de- definitely, we'll definitely have to get a little plaque and put it on something, you know, <laughs> something that's used a lot. So I know he's had a great time there. Um, <clears throat> another guy that I talked to that I know you're familiar with, also from Fort Lauderdale, um, Howard Andrew. Love Howard. Fab Scout, great guy, uh, basically a modeling agency that specializes in go-go dancers and porn stars. Uh, so he's right up the same kind of alley. He, um, he also obviously is a big fan of, of Johnson's in Fort Lauderdale. And I asked him if he had anything to say to you, and he said, nah, there's no reason to say anything. Matt knows what he's doing. He's got it all under control. So that's you know pretty good vote of confidence from somebody who's probably visited every strip club he, in the country. He tells me he likes to come there because he can relax. He doesn't have to deal with drama. We don't bring drama upon him. He can go in there and he can have a drink and he can and, and chill. Yeah, I've hung out with him in the back with him and Bruce, and it was just copacetic. There, you know, no issues at all. Um, and of course, one other thing I wanted to mention is that you know Stoli Vodka, they have a an LGBTQ ambassador. It's the guy that represents Stoli to the gay community 
mostly in the United States, and uh, his name is Patrick Gallano. He also now lives in Fort Lauderdale. He used to live in San Francisco. And I asked him about his impressions of Johnson's. I know he's been there. Um, and what he said to me, I thought was particularly touching. He said, you know, they have a, a special place in my heart because during COVID, when everything was locked down, I stumbled across the documentary about Johnson's, and it made me feel like I was out socializing again. It brought back that warm and fuzzy feeling of being out with my community, and you know, I'll be indebted to Johnson's for that for a long time. I talked so. to, I just talked to Patrick. Yeah, it was the night before last and everything. He said the movie really kind of changed his life during COVID. So, you know, you've got a lot of fans out there and people that run in, in circles with a lot of important people. It's it's definitely a good thing. Um, and, you know, we are going to show some uh, some pictures of the Fort Lauderdale Club so people can get an idea of it. Because we can't really show Tampa right now. Tampa is under construction. Matt is busting his butt. trying. To, this is Sunday. He's trying to get this bar open by Friday night. So we're talking about five days from now. And there's... A lot of work to do, but I have confidence that he's going to get it done. And um, so, we'll show some pictures of the of the Fort Lauderdale Club and some of the dancers there and things that you know what goes on, just so people can have an idea of what that club is like. And I also want to show a little clip of the documentary we just mentioned. Which was called All Male, All Nude? All Male, All Nude Johnson's. Johnson's. The, first, the first one was All Male, All Nude. It was about Springer Richards. It took him two weeks to film. Um, and then, honestly, it sat on YouTube for about seven years. And then they pulled it off, added some more footage, and it came out as a movie. The only problem was is they recorded it with the music we use. So they had to go back and dub other music in. So every time I say something on the microphone, it's somebody else's voice saying something that I wouldn't have said. I'm offensive, but he was really offensive. Uh, the movie that came out about Johnson's just follows my backstory, the club's backstory, and it follows a few backstories of the dancers to show what amazing people they are. They're not druggies. They're not sitting at home. You know, you know, they're going to school. They're doing something with their life. They're making a difference in the community. This is Johnson's. Literally, we're selling illusions, a fantasy world. I don't want to be active. There's a big misconception about strippers. It's a dirty lifestyle. The key is just to save money. I made $1,600 in one night. This is a big opportunity to save for your future. People don't realize how hard it actually is to do. To go up to someone in your underwear and seduce them. Male stripping really is one of those jobs that can make you or break you. In this kind of job, you cannot afford to be shy. It's art, because every night is so different. My name is Matt Kalunga, and we're right in the middle of Johnson's. Are you ready for it? Strippers are definitely their own person. It's whatever floats your boat, it's all an individuality thing. 
Uh, there's really no standard way to strip. Whether I'm gay, whether I'm straight, it doesn't matter. My coming to this club, I'm here for a purpose. I'm here to put it in a nutshell, I'm here to make money. Let's go make money, bitch. Let's go make money, bitch. Hell yeah! The interview is literally, you drop your pants, and you're either hired or fired. We have what we call um, our yard dick. This is definitely a high priority on the hiring list. It's what I do. It's what I'm comfortable with. It's who I am. And if somebody is going to judge me for that, let them judge me. Swinging Richards, it's, it's really like a neighborhood hangout. It's like family. Yeah, and a lot of people don't get that impression, not only with dancers, but with just, you know, bar staff in general. If you're a bartender, if you're a doorman, if you're, you know, a bar manager, whatever you're doing in a bar, they just think, oh, this is some drunk that couldn't find a real job, so that's what he's doing. And that is not true at all. I mean, and you can tell when you look at the pictures from Johnson's and you look at the video clips, you will see this is a class act. This is a nice place that you wouldn't be ashamed to bring your uncle to. Or your mom. I've or your mom. So if you are male, you can bring your mother with you. I brought my mom and dad to every club I've ever ran. You know, <laughs> um, it, it is. It is. And I'd like to take you know my staff. My staff's very important to me. So you know, every couple months we start we do an escape room. So we work together more clockwise. You know, not clockwise. Um, like a finely tuned watch. There we go. So when you go in there, everything is ran smoothly. And we take them out to Top Golf and buy them drinks and food. And we do fun things together to show our appreciation. Yeah, and they definitely are a very friendly crew. We've been down there a couple times at the Fort Lauderdale Club. And everybody's always professional. There's, I've never seen any trouble there. I've never seen any fights break out or loud, raucous, drunk people. Or I'm sure it happens maybe once in a while, but I've never seen it. It's, it's once in a blue moon, but you know, the good thing about a male strip club when it comes to security, I've got 50 muscle boys right there to take care of a situation if it gets way out of hand. So <laughs> it makes them think twice. Do I really want to start trouble in here? Right. Now, in your Fort Lauderdale Club, you have an interesting feature that I understand is kind of becoming a signature of the Johnson's brand. Um, and that is your Penny Bar. One of your bars. In, um, in the Fort Lauderdale Club, somebody or somebodies spent countless hours arranging pennies in the same orientation around the bar. All used pennies out of random people's pockets and, I guess, you know, the Thir bank. 37000 worth. <laughs> um, but tons of pennies all laid down and then coated in an epoxy so the entire bar top is covered in pennies. Now, I just noticed that you're going to do the same thing down here. Well, I, I got the right idea during COVID, and I have to say, and my husband and my business partner will say, you only did a couple, you know, you only, they say you only did a couple of dollars. I say at least did a hundred bucks worth. But uh, it took three weeks to do it, and then we'd have to lay plywood over the top. 
run business for a week, take the plywood off for the two days, do some more pennies. They're, they all had to be glued down individually because otherwise they float up to the top in the epoxy. So every penny was looking the same way. And then you get there and there'd be a little gap. So you're here with the grinder, just taking the edge <laughs> off the penny so it fits right down into it. And yeah, it's amazing. Tampa not going to be like that. Tampa, we bought the tiles. They come in the little pennies. And, and I looked at them and it's like, some are heads, some are tails, some are pointing different directions, you know. Well, kind of like a, your customers. Exactly. Some exactly. are heads, some are tails, some are pointing in different directions. <laughs> it is what it is, right? It's still pretty. It is. It's going to look great. And the other thing that you've added, and, and uh, I've got some pictures of that too, this epoxy flooring is amazing. It looks so cool. And the colors with that cranberry and that kind of dark anthracite and some kind of gold in there. It's just so rich. It's, you know, in, in Fort Lauderdale, when you first come in, we have the epoxy floors. They need to be uh, polished. You know, but it, it's pretty. It, it's like a piece of art. So my business partner decided the entire downstairs of this uh, it was a $20,000 project for all the floors. All the floors look like an amazing art piece. Now, for people who think he just took the easy way out and ripped some carpet or hardwood up and poured some paint on the floor, I got news for you. Those floors were not level at all. So every crack, every seam, every unlevel part had to be fixed before you can do this finish in order to make it work out properly. The floors were gutted. Gutted, uh, termite damage, moisture damage, uh, new joists underneath, everything, new wood, everything's been fixed. Uh, the upstairs has been fixed. We're making it pretty, which if you saw the upstairs before, it's um, it, it did its job for the leather bar, but now I've got to make it beautiful. And it's starting to look great. I, I've walked around the bar. I can see where they're going with it. I can see what they've changed and how they've you know vaulted the ceiling a little bit different and added some beams and stuff. And it's going to look really nice. And the chandelier at the entrance, oh my God, that chandelier belongs like in the Biltmore Estate or something, or Matt's bathroom, somewhere, somewhere really fancy and elegant. It I looks mean, amazing. I have, I have a major addiction problem to offer up, so I will sit there in every city I am looking for chandeliers, because I've got six chandeliers in Fort Lauderdale, and I'll have five here, and and some of, you know, some of your mirrors and some of your furniture are eclectic pieces that you found on OfferUp or... The marketplace on Facebook. It's, it's it's nice to have cool things and not have it look so like you bought cover. it from a magazine and just stuck it there. Right. It's not a rooms to go bar. No. You don't walk in there and say, "I'll take that sofa, those end tables, and those lamps." That's great. No, that was PJ's corner pocket. <laughs> <laughs> so it it's going to look great. It's going to have a great crowd. It's not a small bar, as Matt mentioned. This space is about five thousand square feet. Six thousand. Six thousand square feet. Over twice the size of Fort Lauderdale. So it is a two level bar. It's got a great upstairs VIP area, and I'm guessing maybe there used to be a leather shop up here in the corner of the upstairs bar. I'm guessing because I know kind of how Matt's mind works. There will probably be a Johnson store up here. Maybe I actually know that it's actually going to turn into the dressing room. Ah, the room back there that people used to do that in. That'll actually be liquor storage. Um, when you first come in, we'll have a giant arm wall with all our retail in it. So when you first Very come cool. into the door, yes. And they have some retail. I mean, this is not a bar that went out and printed, you know, a handful of T-shirts and a couple of ball caps. They have numerous designs of ball caps. They have tank tops. They have T-shirts. They have jock straps. They have sweatshirts, sweatshirts underwear, movies, underwear. calendars. We have wine bottle holders. Yes. They have a little wall plaque that you can put up. 
that is um, a Johnson's key holder where you hang the keys on a bent metal penis. Yes. So they have been creative in Fort Lauderdale when we were down there. I think every little boutique and and uh, thrift store charity shop we went to had Johnson's underwear at the front door. It's like a thing. People want to be seen. And for those of you who are not stripper quality, they do have a retired stripper t-shirt. They do have a retired stripper so and you, a stripper, a stripper in training t-shirt. And stripper in training. So you can go run around and have people think that you used to be a dancer here or at Richard's or wherever um, and show off the Johnson's brand. So that's very cool. Now, was your little bow tie on there in your logo? Is that kind of a nod to the Chippendale Actually, concept? you know what? It, it wasn't. Um, when we first opened the bar, there's a bar in Portland, Oregon called Stag. And Stag ah. had the horns with the little bow tie on it. So I thought, that's why I need this little bow tie. I didn't put it on my sign in Port Lauderdale or Wilton Manors because when we first opened up, Wilton Manors was a little unsure of me opening. So I wanted it to look like a speakeasy on the front. I wanted it to have blacked out windows and... When somebody's walking by, have no clue what's going on inside. You go by on a Saturday night, it's packed inside, lights are going, music's going, but when you walk by, you would not have a clue. And that's that's what I want. I, I don't, a lot of people, unfortunately, you're going to view a strip club as an embarrassment to the community or something they don't want to be around. I want to change that, change that view. Yeah, I have heard that before in other cities. In fact, Atlanta um, is kind of going through that situation with any adult-related, especially if they're gay-oriented businesses. Um, I know right at the corner of Cheshire Bridge and Piedmont, um, Tokyo Valentino, yep. which is a multi-million dollar, glamorous adult store and, and entertainment venue, Beautiful, the most beautiful building in blocks of that area. Nice neon, great architecture, new construction. Uh, when you walk into their shop to look at sex toys or underwear, you feel like you're in a 
very upscale uh, Victoria's Secret kind of store. And they still give Michael a hard time about being there because they, I guess, would rather have a McDonald's drive-thru or something. I don't know. Probably so. Yeah, it's uh, Chester Bridge. Chester Bridge is where a lot of the adult entertainment venues are, uh, sex stuff, and they are trying to make it more up and coming. Now, in Atlanta, <laughs> there is no more Swingin' Richards. It's done. And the other club that was there, I can't think of the name of it now, Bliss. Bliss, yeah. Um, which was at the old, old, old Sweet Gunhead location at the back of a, a shopping complex on Cheshire Bridge Road. That's gone as far as um, male dancing. So there's really nothing like Richards there anymore. I know BJ Roosters has some um, go-go boys, mostly of the younger persuasion. Um, Something like that. But I understand that... that um, Atlanta may be in your sights, too, for the future. Yeah, and, um, definitely, you know, Atlanta's a big part of my life. There's a hole in the market there. So I, I definitely want to get Tampa. I definitely want to get Dallas open this year and then go to Atlanta. Um, Atlanta needs it, and I've got so many friends there. Um, it's, it's, it yeah, was, and I think the the legacy of Swing and Richards having been there for 20, whatever, 25 years. Opened in 97, closed in yeah, 2022. It closed in January of this year. So, yeah, 25 years being there. They've they've definitely identified a market there, and I I agree with you. I think that uh, Atlanta could use something a little bit more upscale. And Atlanta is yeah. the kind of market, you know, a lot of people that haven't been there may not know, but Atlanta is the kind of market that can sustain an upscale club. Um, one of the one of the most upscale female stripper clubs in the country, the Gold Club, did phenomenally well there and made bazillions of dollars before they all probably went to jail Take, or something. Taking advantage of the customers, but uh, yeah. You know, it is a market for that there. Now, Dallas, you, you touched on Dallas. You're, um, you were going to open a Dallas location before Tampa. You were in Dallas for months, beating your head against the wall, trying to get con- you know, contracts together and uh, leasing space and finding dancers and getting ready, and you had a blowout with your partner. We don't have to go into no, that. No, no, no. I've, I've learned that not all partnerships work out, and sometimes you bunt head, and... and Unfortunately, I beat myself up having to walk away from that deal because I'd been there seven months working on this, and um, I did. But, you know, I had my friends come around and other business owners say, it happens. You know, don't don't beat yourself up. You just keep moving forward. So I, my business partner here at Fort Lauderdale, we had bought Tampa while Dallas was going on. And I was stressing about trying to open two clubs at once, but, you know, God pointed me in the right direction. So now I, I'm going to open this up put my time, my effort, make sure it's running smoothly, and then go to another club. And you know what? Five years from now, when you're celebrating the fifth anniversary of Tampa and Dallas has already been operating for a few years, this is all going to be water under the bridge. You're not even going to remember that you had issues trying to open Dallas for seven months. You're just going to be glad that you waited and did it the right way right and so. that it's as successful as the one in Fort Lauderdale and the one in Tampa. So There you go. You know, that's, that's just the way it is. So we... wish you all the best of luck with all of the clubs. We are definitely looking forward. Dick, on uh, Wednesday, is celebrating his 29th birthday again. And so he was hoping you'd be open by Wednesday, but I'm not going to push you for that. When you do come, we will bring him and some of his friends here so that he can enjoy, um, enjoy being at Johnson's in the general vicinity of his 29th birthday. So we're looking forward to that.
Now, I Happy did, birthday. <laughs> I did want to mention one thing. I noticed in your Facebook profile that you are originally from Cody, Wyoming. Now, in my experience, Wyoming, let alone a small town like Cody, but Wyoming is not the you know, major metropolis where all things gay come from. It, it is not. Definitely not. Um, but... I know you've been, you know, very aware of your surroundings and your and your gay lifestyle for a long time, and I have been researching in this project for years, trying to find just one, one gay bar in the entire state of Wyoming that was actually a gay bar and not some place that you know you could be gay in for five minutes. The, the problem the problem is with Wyoming, the population is four hundred fifty thousand. There's more people that live in Midtown Atlanta than live in the state of Wyoming. Uh, Cody, Wyoming is 11,000 people. The town next to us, Powell, is 5,000. The town next to us is 340. Some yet, somehow, they still have a high school football team. I can't figure it out. But there's so many little teams, or little towns. Casper's the bigger one. It's got like 50,000 people. Cheyenne's the biggest one, you know, 40 or 50,000 people. There just aren't any gay bars. There's just not enough people. But I have to say, since I left Cody, um, there's gays there. And I've met them, and the Thistle, which is a bookstore there, very gay friendly. Sarah, Sarah is like a, a gay mom there. So, but it's very open minded. All my friends in Wyoming know I'm gay, and no problems whatsoever. But am I missing anything? Did I did I not find a gay bar that actually exists? No, there's definitely not a gay bar. If you if you're gay and you're Wyoming, you have to drive to Denver. Which honestly, honestly, it's not that far drive. So maybe you can scale down your concept, go to like one dancer, and open up a bar there called Johnson. Johnson. There we go. There we go. What do you think? The the, the uh, Fighting hot guys in Wyoming is not so easy either. They're kind of weathered. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Matt, I really appreciate you taking the time to tell us about your experiences with Swingin' Richards and this whole project with Johnson's, which is just so exciting to see, you know, some fresh blood, especially at this time. So many bars, gay bars especially, have closed in the last few years since kind of COVID rolled into the picture. And here you are going full steam ahead, opening not just a little hole in the wall, but a major production, you know, 6,000 square foot bar in Tampa and then another one in Dallas down the road. I, you know, I, and I have to say, you know, because um, I've talked to a lot of people. I mean, I grew up the chubby fat kid. I, I didn't always have a nice body. You know, I, I worried about being good looking all as a kid. You know, I, 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 it's, it's hard. It's hard growing up. And, you know, when I got in the gym and I worked out and I became a stripper, I didn't come from a lot of money. My family didn't have a lot of money. I was lucky enough to have a customer say, you know what? I love the way you DJ at Swing Richards. I want to back you in a club. He put the money in. I did all the work for the first club. And we both owned 50. And now we're moving forward on that one. So, you know, don't, don't worry about what other people say about your dreams. Follow your dreams. Do something you want to do. Life is too short and you only live once to stick yourself in a job that you don't like. Well, thank you so much. And we're going to hold you to putting that sign up for Bruce in here. Definitely, because... definitely. I'll have, a, I'll have a plaque, whether it's a urinal or, you know, a well-used <laughs> couch. It'll, it'll have Bruce's name on it. <laughs> well, thanks so much. And good luck with this club. It looks great. That was a lie. But, yes, it, it, will, it will look great. You're not seeing what we're seeing. <laughs> <laughs> oh.